Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to You in HD. Your identity in higher definition with Pastor Eric Miller. Join us in our journey of faith in God by taking an in-depth look into the Bible's authority and sufficiency to guide us in our Christian walk. Discover your identity in Jesus Christ today. How you doing? This is Reverend Eric. <clears throat> As we continue our walk through Mark uh, chapter 1, We, I see this broadcast during a time where uh, it just seems consistently that there's never a time in this modern era that we're in that right now, especially here in America, that people are, are, are still so consumed by prejudice and so-called racism. It's undoubted that anybody missed... Uh, President Trump's words toward the NFL and in the, its NFL players towards its owners. Now anybody can go Google it and research it. It's all across ESPN and NFL. Uh, I don't want to go back into it or give it any more strength than it has up to this point. Um, it's not that it's a non-issue for me, but it's an issue that has been plaguing Christianity and humanity since the fall. Racism and prejudice has been here because it is a sinful act. It is part of the sinful human heart. It should not be a shock that in this day and age that racism still exists because sin still exists. The devil still exists. And thank God that God is still here and in control. I think, if anything, more, more, more importantly, when I was studying and reading through uh, these these passages in Mark that we're going to go over today, I think it kind of shows us even more so. Actually, it doesn't kind of. It does show us the importance of Christ and his 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 view on social structure, on social injustices, on what mattered to him most. So we don't get an idea that I've heard a, a, a preacher I had a, a confrontation with. It is a, a, more of a conversation, but it turns into a confrontation because it seems that every time I see him, he has everything secular on his mind. Everything secular. Now, I know I'm hard on preachers because I believe for the 27 years that I was out, unsaved. I don't remember besides my pastor who was in heaven and a few others that have preached the truth on such a standard basis and such a consistent basis that you couldn't catch them falling victim to, to secular world problems. No matter what was going on, they grew up during a rough time, segregation, wars, social changes that, that, that at one point they would never even fathom. I mean, if he was here today... He is already seeing it start, but he's to see gender being now a question mark at birth. It is horrible to say the least, but this is the human heart. This is the human heart. This is what it does. If you want to talk about where evil comes from, it comes from man, me and you. It comes from within us. It is definitely part of us. It's not going anywhere. And it took a savior like Christ. He can only cure it. He is the only one that can cure it. Only Christ. 
only Christ. So many people today and throughout history, I'm sure and sure to come, want to paint humanity as there's times we're at our best and we're just high morals, which is not true. Just simply not true. Sure, we can do some great things. Sure, that'd be great. Yes, we can do great things. But it doesn't rise us above sin. It doesn't rectify us to God. It doesn't reconcile us to God. It doesn't even show up on God's radar. Because even at our greatest, we still fall short of the glory of God. We just do. No one wants to confront sin. And they just simply do not want to because it would actually mean they have to confront themselves as sinners. We can't let that happen, not in today's society, who's all in love with themselves, who's in love with their own ideas, who's in love with their own concept of what they think morale is. I mean, simply put, this day and age, and I'm sure throughout history, everyone is convinced they can't be wrong about how they feel about themselves, and they themselves are right. Everyone is convinced on their own righteousness. Everybody is convinced that, that God would accept them for, what, for, for what, what they bring to the table because they would say, well, Eric, I'm a good person. But everybody has fallen short to the glory of God. All have fallen short to the glory of God. These are the foundational truths that can't change. Every man, Adam, all of Adam's kids, us, all Eve's daughters, us, her sons, us, all have fallen short to the glory of God. All of us has turned away from God. All of us don't seek God. All of us have never even asked for God. All of us, even more importantly, don't even know who God is. But we have concepts of him. We have ideas of what they think. My God would never do such a thing. My God wouldn't send someone to hell. My God, I'm sure their God also would not also condemn their, 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 their unrighteous acts. Because, you know, he's compassionate. He understands. Oh, I know you're going through a rough spot. So it's okay that you do what you just did. I'm going to give you a pass. That God is the idolatry inside their life. God would never do that. God does not pardon sin based on your good works. Do you hear what I said? He's not pardoning sin based on your good works. Because on your best day, you still fall short of the glory of God. I mean, that doesn't change. Eric, I've done all these magnificent things. Hey, I get it, brother. I'm glad that you've done these magnificent things in life. I'm glad that you have you've saved You've cured cancer. You've abolished hunger in the world. You've managed to cure every incurable disease possible by some miracle drug that you've created. And you don't you only charge four dollars for it. You put it under an effective copay so everybody can get a hold of it that's reasonable in the world. And even with all of that greatness. If you ask me, or ask any Christian on God's beautiful green earth, would God pardon me for what I've done, the answer would be no. Why? Because you still fell short. But I've done all these great things, and many will be will be appreciative of the great things you've done, but... Curing physical disease isn't an indicator of how great you are. Curing a disease, because you have to go back to the motive. Why are you doing it? Was it come from a selfish place? Even if it didn't. You know, even if it didn't, you'd still fall short. Because at the end, inside humanity, Inside what we are, we don't want to accept the real truth of sin. So how do we classify sin? What is sin? You know, we hear about it. We talk about it. We, people are still confused about it. 
let's try to get a definitive on sin because to get a definitive on sin, we'll have a better understanding of what Christ was up against. We have to understand what was laid on him that was so destructive that he would sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was led to his famous persecution and crucifixion. So it just wasn't, we don't, want it to, we don't want to marginalize it or make it something real small and inconsequential and, oh, it's just a thinking process. But once man gets his head right, he'll, fix, he'll be okay. No, let's not do that. Let's not cheapen that kind. No, let's get to the truth. What is it about sin? What is it that, caused, that has caused, up to this point, destruction of the entire human race to hell. It condemned the entire human race to hell. If there's ever anyone that can sweat blood over a situation that dire, our Lord did, and thank God that he still went to the cross. But that tells us this was no small feat. This was not just a theological you know, indifference to, well, I just don't agree with what we did with this. No. This is a very real, tangible, destructive force living in the soul and was in the spirit of man, eating and killing man daily and condemning that man, including myself, to the very bowels of hell until we would be thrown to the lake of fire at the end of days. And Christ stood in our place and atoned for sins that we deserved to bear ourselves. Let's be straight and be clear. I, Eric Miller, deserved hell. I earned it. I worked hard for it. I labored for it. And God was giving that to me. That was pronounced on my head. And I did not run from my sins until Christ rescued me. There was no chance where Eric saw a difference in my life. I turned around. I raised my hand out of the water. Christ was halfway there. No, I was descended into the deep. I was drowning, consumed, and dead. And floating in the water. Then started to sink. And as I drifted down, Christ rescued me, resuscitated me with his blood, and now here I stand today, redeemed. And every Christian living today has had that same experience. We worked hard for our hell. We labored for it. We didn't understand we were laboring for it. We believed we were laboring for a better life. I, see people, I hear people say it all the time, and I've heard people say it all the time. I've read it. Well, when our loved one dies, I just hope he's in a better place. Let's bust that bubble right now. Pop. No, they're not in a better place. They are in hell. That's about as fine brimstones you can get, and I'm not even trying to be rude or offensive. These are facts. If you loved your loved one, share the gospel with them. So that way this fate might have been avoided. No second chances after you're gone. That's it. Your decision process is happening right now. Do you understand the misery and anxiety and stress that people are play that, that people have in this reality because they don't understand what's gonna happen to their life afterwards? Let me shoot, let me bust that bubble. They do get what's going to happen. They do understand what's going to happen because the Bible's been saying it since day one. And they understand it. And they're fearful of it. And they're doing everything they can to try to see if they can change the, the wording of the Bible by changing the wording of the Christians that are preaching the truth. If they can't get us to change it, then they'll persecute us so we can't talk about it. Because it scares them to their core, and rightfully it should. Rightfully it should. Should scare them. Should terrify them. 
should make them nervous, should make them be concerned, should make them feel, you know, waking up at night, should drive them in the areas that they're trying to find cures to the situation, but they can't find none. They're scratching and, and, and clawing at, at means and, and ideas and philosophies that can change their idea of life. Sure, they're, they're supposed to. Look into cults, yet yeah, happens. Look into Catholicism. Look into Islam. Look into some kind of religious works, works righteousness, because they figure if they do enough good deeds. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And with this religion, this religion is teaching them a lie that God is going to accept your good deeds as righteousness because that Jesus Christ fellow, he offends you. Jesus Christ offends you. He offends you because he says, none of your works, God will accept. It's either me or hell. It offended Orphan Winfrey. It offends Wick Warren. It offends many false preachers and teachers. Anybody that gets up, a woman gets up and starts trying to preach a Bible to you with men in the audience, Christ offends her too. Anybody that gets up and teaches anything contrary to the gospel of Christ that's in our Bible. They're offended by Christ too because the truth will reveal who you are. The truth will reveal who you are. Your motives, your ideas, what drives you, the truth will open its ugly face in your life. And that truth is the Bible. That's what it does. That's what it does. That's what the Bible does all day long and twice on Sundays. It reveals man for who he is. And that's just the reality that we have to live with. And I like it. I've come to embrace it. I go to my Bible to cut me in half at times when I'm starting to get alienated from the, the feeling. The truth of God. It happens. You get caught up in life situations. It happens. You get caught up with, in your marriage and with the kids and, and so many different things going on. It happens. You get lost. But you can come back. That word of God is always there waiting for you. Patient. as God. Steady. Waiting for you to return looking for help. We still look for Jesus for help every day. He's our shepherd. And we should. And that's just my opening for a few passages in Mark. That's just the opening for a few passages in Mark. But like I said, what is sin? Let's give it a little definition. Read some Mark. And we'll get to our close. More importantly, you know, we'll get to what God wants to share. So what is sin? So I got this great book called Introducing Christian Doctrines. It's a great book by Millard Erickson. And I was just skimming through it one day at lunch. Uh, I was at a bookstore. Uh, looks brand new, of course. Looks like they just, just got it in and whatnot. But anyway, they had some great, some great uh, study material in here. And I'm always looking for anything to help grow my, grow my learning, get me to look at uh, the doctrines and uh, the beliefs of those that come before me, all those precious saints who have labored over the word and gave us these commentaries and gave us their thoughts and 
You know, you can see how the spirit has moved them. And, you know, it's interesting how we're all these these minds, these Christian brothers and sisters before us. That even when we read our Bible, before we even reach into a commentary, we come to the same conclusion. That is the Holy Spirit driving us. It's a beautiful thing when we come to these conclusions together. And you're like, oh, my God, someone thought about this 800 years ago. Yes, they did. 300 years ago. Yes, they did. The spirit teaching from then till now consistently. That should be a comfort to us, brothers and sisters, if you're studying your word of God. If you're studying, I had a young man uh, I was talking with. Yeah, they're a good, a good, good brother. Didn't even know that for the time we've known each other for you know a few years, found out you know he's been called to preach. What a beautiful thing! God, that's a beautiful thing. Love to hear when a man is called to preach. Strong spirit he has. Good marriage he has. Honest to a fault he has. Perfect, no. But he's perfect for the word to to preach that word. Because God has called him to preach. Hallelujah. And that is, that is a high noble calling. Comes with great responsibility. You know, you hear that from Spider-Man, the Marvel Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. We have to agree with that. Once a preacher goes down that road, that road is tumultuous. It's deadly. It's rocky. It's mountain climbing with no rope. But oh, is it fulfilling or is it satisfying and equally terrifying as well because speaking to God's people there is a certain measure of acceptable fear and I mean fear in the sense of how much respect and reverence you have for talking to God's people you need to always always not bring yourself to this equation not your self confidence not your rhetorical your, your rhetorical skills not your ability for oratory not your ability to connect the dots. It is simply preaching the truth. And if it comes out brimstone, by the grace of God, somebody will come out clean. So what is sin? Sin is a lack of, of, of conformity, active or passive, to the moral law of God. This is a matter of act, thought, and inner disposition. That's pretty, pretty powerful. That's a simplified, but it's powerful. It is factual. So every human being since Adam fell, since Eve fell, let's put this in perspective. Let's get this in perspective so when I talk about it, we can always keep these, this simplified understanding of sin, which is so true, in mind. So the moral law of God, they're not they're actively and passively denying it. The Ten Commandments, the commandments that governs every man, that is over his head, that every man cannot escape. You cannot abolish it. You cannot act like it doesn't exist. You cannot ignore it. You can't hide from it. You can't reason with it. You can't make it make it acceptable. You can't soften it. You can't reword it to make it sound better. You can't manipulate it. You can't wrap it up in human ideology. You can't wrap it up in, in a philosophy of it's a rule or it's a golden rule. No. It is the only rule. Ten of them. Break one, you break them all. And as sinners, before we were saved, we actively and passively broke them. Didn't matter to us. And the fact that we didn't know about them still didn't matter to us. How do I know that? Because people still lie. People still cheat. People still commit idolatry. People still worship things other than God. People worship other gods, which is false. These fake gods. People worshiping the devil. People worshiping their money. People worshiping their, their, their spouses. Yes, sir, you heard that right. Worshiping your spouses. This person completes me. No, that person can't complete you. Only God can complete you. This person is a compliment to you. 
not an object of worship. People still kill their brothers and sisters. People still murder, even if it's hate in their heart. When a man gets up and is actively racist against another man, it's no different. That man is now a murderer in the eyes of God. In the court, that man had to pull a trigger and dispatch of that person to become a murderer. Well, by the law of God, you are a murderer simply by hating your fellow man, your fellow neighbor. That's active and passive. Active and passive means it covers both ends of the spectrum. There's no middle ground. You've done one of the two. Either you actively resented against God's moral law or you've flaked. Yeah, it didn't even matter to me that much, so you would pass it again. What's most important is what God says. What's most important is what God... And until we... And I'm sure you hear about this in every episode. I haven't even got to Mark yet. We haven't even got there yet. But you hear me say the same thing each time. Why? Because to understand Christ, you got to understand the reality of what the, the state that we were in. You can't get to the good news unless the bad news has already been established and believed. Got to get there first. Got to get there first. It's amazing that, you know, we see we got people that want to share the word of God, which is great. But they want to cherry pick the areas that's going to make other people uncomfortable. We don't do that. We don't get, we are ambassadors of Christ. We're ambassadors of Christ. We don't get the chance to pick and choose the message. We are ambassadors. We relay the message as it was relayed to us. Ambassadors cannot go to another country and then take the king's message, alter it, because he's worried about that citizenry being upset. No. We are ambassadors of Christ. We take that message as it was given to us and we get it out. As it was written, as it was said, we got to do it. And we're not good ambassadors. We have to keep it real. We have to keep it real. We have, to, we have to stand up for the truth. We got to proclaim the truth at all times. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though, as, though call, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is the gospel message. He appeals through us. You alter the message, it's no longer, he's no longer appealing through us. We're trying to appeal to them on our reasoning. It will not work. You can't make a philosophy to try to trick someone or change the gospel in a way because you think the gospel is too hard to, to speak to someone on its surface. No, the, the gospel is perfect. The gospel is perfect. Let's go to our Bibles. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. You want to talk about it? Is the well, you know, Eric, the Bible is kind of harsh in some areas. The Bible is truthful. Bible ain't never hurt nobody. It hurts those that want to sin passively and actively. Look at three sixteen. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Means it's profitable. That's got to mean something, right? It's good. It's it's upstanding. It's good. It's good. It's righteous. We can use it. There's no, it, it, it. It's able to do the work that it calls to do. It's beneficial. I love that word. Profitable. Beneficial. Useful. Has a gain. Look at profit on its own. A gain. A benefit. An advantage. That's a great that's a great way to look at it, right? All scripture is inspired by God and it gives a benefit. It gives an advantage. It produces a superior effect for teaching. Really? Yes, for teaching. What else for? For rebuking. For rebuking, what else? For correcting. For what else? 
for training. Why is it why is it good for correcting it for training? And what's it what's it perfecting in such a thing? It's perfecting for it in righteousness. So that the man of God may be what? May be complete, equipped for every good work. Ambassadors got to stick with this Bible. Ambassadors got to stick with this Bible. It's profitable. <coughs> it's advantageous. It does the job 100% of the time. I can't say that we do, but it does. As God works 24-7, seven days a week, during the 65 days a year, God was working before there was even time. God was working even before we were here. The Bible, still working. Even one page out of the Bible can do more than millions of voices. Because God's word will cause the desired effect that he's looking for, which is the repentance of sins. So that leads us to Mark. Sorry, I took a long, long way around. But I, I won't apologize for loving the word of God and want to share it with you. But I will apologize because I have a limited amount of time that I can get this podcast going. So let's go ahead and go to Mark chapter 1. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're going to go to verse 35. Verse 35. Mark chapter 1. Now, I know your Bible may sound different than mine, and that's fine. I use the Holman Christian Standard. I also, of course, I use several others when I'm also comparing things. But your Bible may sound similar. Uh, sometimes I'll quote out the NIV as well because I know there's a lot of users that use the NIV. I wish they didn't, but you know what? I'm glad you have some kind of Bible in your hand in the first place. So, we see Jesus. This is, now, this is after Jesus did the healings in Capernaum. This is after Jesus um, healed Peter's uh, Peter's mother-in-law of the fever. This is after many, many that showed up on the doorstep to be healed and cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's no doubt in our mind that you know, we know that since Christ came to preach the gospel, how do we know that? Because if you go back to Mark chapter 1, uh, we're still in chapter 1, you'll just go back some verses 14 and, uh, and 15, we see after John was arrested, Jesus went to, to Galilee preaching the good news, preaching the good news of God. And he says in verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So we know Christ, he just wasn't in that house. Preaching, you know, just healing and, and touching folks and getting them right. We know that there probably that there had to be some preaching of the word of God. Had to. This is what his calling was. Well, what leads us to that area? Wouldn't it be jumping to conclusions? If the Bible doesn't say it in between them words, then he probably wasn't. No, he was doing it. How do we know? Watch. Preaching in, preaching in Galilee, right? Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up. Who got up? Jesus Christ. He got up went out and made his way to the deserted place. And he was praying there. Simon and his companions went searching for him. They found him and said, everyone's looking for you. And I love this. Look at verse 38. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So he went into all of Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. That's the whole meat of this sermon, this episode, is around verse 38. 
And he said to them, Let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. Which means it goes back to what I said. Preach there. Which means he had to be start preaching already. He already started the preaching. Preaching, The preaching started at verse 15. He ain't stopped since. That preaching is still going on through us every day. God is still appealing to men and women and nations and belief systems outside of God to this day. That preaching has never stopped. We're still preaching and serving his message today. Nothing has changed. God has not changed. His message has not changed. The times have changed. God has not. The age has changed. God has not. We've changed, gained a little bit more weight, lost a little bit of weight, was married, no longer married, employed, unemployed. We were 13, now we're 35. Maybe we're 45, 65, 85, doesn't matter. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Malachi 3.6, how do we know that? Malachi 3.6, the NAS says, for the Lord do not change. The Lord does not change. Jesus was there when Jesus was there. When the whole world was drowned in water because of sin. Jesus was there when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of homosexuality. Jesus was there when, those, when the prophets were slaughtered on Mount Carmel because of idolatry. Jesus was there when Moses had picked up a sword and those that were aligned with God after the golden calf. Those that were killed and slown down because of idolatry. Jesus was there during the plagues. Jesus was there to watch all of this because he was been there since day one. Because God has always been there. And Christ is God. Our Jesus Christ is God. He was manifesting the flesh as a sin offering. For the reconciliation from man back to God. Why? Because we broke that moral law. The gospel message is simple. But yet so perplexing. Cuts deep. Cuts through all kinds of manner of, of philosophy and thinking processes. It leaves a man barren, naked, exposed. Look at Adam. Let's go back to Genesis. Look at Adam. Look, this is what happens every time you want to share the gospel with somebody. Oh, this is some good news. Let's talk about it. Love some good news. Woo! Love some good news. Go to Genesis. This happens every time. A man is exposed to the word of God. This happens every time a woman is exposed to the truth of God. Every time. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Then the man, then the man and his wife. Heard, look, man and his wife. Not man and man or wife and wife. None of that silly nonsense of same-sex marriage. Ain't no, only same-sex marriage there is is marriage and sin. That's the only thing that exists in it. Two people sinning. Breaking moral, God's moral law actively and passively. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves. Men have been hiding themselves every time God shows up. Every time God brings his presence around in the Bible, men start to hide and cringe. They hide behind their beliefs. They hide behind their man-created religions. They hide behind their man-created philosophies. They hide behind science. They hide behind whatever fake ideology they've come up with. They hide behind society. They hide behind their jobs. They hide behind their feelings. They hide behind the things that they've been done dirty with and they feel that God has rejected them. They hide behind their works righteousness because they believe that some good deeds will get them rectified. No, no. If any of that was true, Christ wasn't necessary to get on that, trough, that cross. But he was necessary to get on that cross. He had to get on that cross. He was willing to get on that cross. Why? So men can no longer can, can hide from the truth. God wants every man rectified. That 
is the greatest news of any good news ever delivered. God wants you reconciled to him because he loves you. He loved every soul enough to give his life for it. That precious blood was not wasted and it will not be wasted because it will do what it was called to do. All this stems from love. If there's anything that 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 is short of understanding, it is that can you imagine that? Right now, people, listen to me, brothers and sisters, beloved. All of this is because of love. We we cheapen God's love as some concept of, well, he loves you so much, keep continuing in your sin. If sin was so minor and meager and inconsequential, we wouldn't even need a Bible. None of this, this Bible wouldn't exist. Christ would never have had to come. My mother would never have had to die. Your parents would never have had to die. People would not be going through evil right now. All of this is possible because it's truthful, because sin exists. And God doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want nobody to go to hell. Why else is Christ here? Why else would this Bible be here? Do you think that we, do you, people really believe Christians rejoice in people going to hell? Yes, they do. That's why we're called bigots and racists and prejudice against people living in their sins. That we're just Bible thumpers. We don't understand the human condition. We understand the human condition better than most because we've been exposed to the truth of it. And we've been trying to get you to expose, to expose you to the truth of it by spreading this word of God. But we don't do the word of God any justice by cherry picking only Bible verses so we don't want to offend nobody. We need to be offensive. Because let me tell you something. Here's a true statement. The only thing that's being offended in that person is the sin itself. That active rebellion is them actively feeling the, 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 the destruction and guilt of sin. Don't let anybody fool you. Atheists, homosexuals, murderers, liars, con men, false preachers, all of them, if they're angry toward God and they're shaking their fist toward God, deep down, that anger comes from guilt. Can't change it. Can't alter it. And I'm glad that our Savior came to preach. Look at Mark chapter 1 again, verse 38. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. For this is why I come. What began early in this broadcast was me talking about the state of what the NFL did when they were unified and locking arms. Because of some prejudice and hateful comments from my presidency. I see pastors and Christians getting involved in, in the racist banter and cussing this man out. Let me tell you something. I pray for our president every day. I pray for that man. I have hopes for that man that that man can get it right. I have hopes that that man can lead this country the right way. I pray every day. I don't care if he gets on, on stage and starts calling every black person the N-word all day long. I'm not going to stop praying for him. That's what I've been called to do. That's what every Christian is called to do. Pray for your leadership. Pray for your leaders. He didn't tell you to get up there and start acting a fool on Twitter and acting a fool in front of your churches. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your the, the, pe the people in office. Pray for those in Congress. Pray for your for, for your managers. Pray for your district managers. Pray for those that are gov that governs over your life. Why? Because God set them there. You think Donald Trump got to office because he slipped past God? Do we not remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? God set that man above the rules. Look what he did. Destroyed it. Hundreds in exile. 
Did Daniel get up and start telling horrible things about Nebuchadnezzar? No, he served faithfully. Matter of fact, he never came out of exile. He died in exile, knowing full well that God was in control. God is in control. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. 1 Peter 2, 17. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Romans 13, 1, famous passage. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, and the authorities that exist have been established by God. Eric, is that true? Our Bible says established by God. Didn't say established by man. Didn't say it was slipped by because the devil is slick. Didn't say that he won the election and God didn't get to the ballot box on time. That means... Here's the facts that really hurts. That means that Donald Trump is approved by God, was chosen by God in response to us. Our leaders, since the history of the Bible, have been set above us to correct us, straighten us, convict us, Get us in line. They are direct reflections of what's necessary for us. They're also indictments of judgment against us. You want to know if it's America's under judgment today? Look at our presidency. If it's hard under him and people are being disturbed and torn apart, just realize something. You've been disturbing and tearing apart God for years. Now comes a leader that's going to try to rectify things the way God wants to see fit that it does happen. Nothing our president can do can not established the plans of God. Already been staged. Already been talked about. How we react to it shows if we're continued under judgment or we're still clearly falling short of the glory of God. Every time a man raises his voice against our president, they're raising their voice against God. You didn't see Daniel do it. You didn't see Daniel do it at all. There's no, there's no point in Daniel. That man got up there and said, you know, this president is, you know, that, that Nebuchadnezzar is saying he is such a son of a chicken. I can't stand every day I see him. When I see that man, I want to choke him. I'll never serve that man. That man is no good to me. He is useless. Well, let's take a look at Daniel's reaction. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. What does this have to do with Mark chapter 1? Trust me. Give me some time. I'm getting there. Work with me, my brothers and sisters. Work with me. Look at Dan, go to Daniel chapter 6. This is, now, we're just talking about our role as supporting our leaders. And how is it tied to Mark chapter 1? Because I want to address how we can affect change. I want to tell you exactly who Christ is and why he came. And while we're being led down a road of misdirection, we're focusing on causes that are not a cause, they're distractions that get us out of our prayer life and get us out of our life that God has planned for. Look at Daniel chapter, go to Daniel chapter 6, real quick. Verse 1, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These say traps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself. Look at this part. Daniel distinguished himself. This is verse 3. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and say traps. Why? Because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set over him the whole realm. What extraordinary spirit did he have? That spirit of God. He had, a, he had, a, he had a, a spirit of willingness to serve God. He was, he was under exile. He was under the rulership of a foreign leadership. He stayed and died under that leadership. 
And there was no rebellion in Daniel's voice or his spirit alone. He didn't say he had a decent spirit. He didn't say he had an okay spirit. His spirit was just not tolerable. You know, I, I give lip service to the president. I give lip service to my I give lip service to my uh, my my district manager. You know, I uh I, I let him know I, I you know I I care a little bit. No. Look at the word extraordinary. Very unusual. Remarkable. You unusually great in deed and action. Find it interesting that they want to that that when you read read this dictionary, it says he was specifically he was specially employed as an as an as an ambassador with extraordinary means. Love that Daniel was an ambassador of God. He represented God in spirit and in truth. Pray to that man three times a day, as we read later in the chapter. So was he was thrown in the lion's den. He served that leadership without a rebellious voice or rebellious spirit in him. Didn't have it. Wasn't cursing and cussing out the president and telling Nebuchadnezzar was trash. And he didn't get on Twitter and talk about how Trump is garbage. He didn't get on Facebook. And point out why his district manager is terrible. No, he served with an extraordinary spirit. That same extraordinary spirit needs to be in us. First of all, we got to understand the fact that when people start questioning how a presidency, how a society, a culture can deal with racism, and all type of racial injustice. That matter all manner of injustice. Let's just keep it real. Not just everyone is a person of color, so everybody will in, in face injustice. Everyone has faced against evil, either committed it or had it committed against them. Injustices have been happening since the fall of man. And when I see preachers and pastors and Christians getting involved, choosing sides, they are now choosing against God. God didn't ask you to do be a social change. God didn't ask you to lock arms and get on the side of either the left or the right. Christ did not come to change social injustice. He didn't come to change our financial status. He didn't come to change how, how, how the world works in the sense of a financial market. He didn't, he didn't come to change the civil unrest. <laughs> he didn't come to change anything of society. He came to change man's record to man's, He came to change man's understanding with God. Excuse me. I was coughing and trying to speak at the same time. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. He didn't come to try to make it easier for racial equality. He came to equalize us to God. Balance us out. Make the books right. For we're no longer sinners. Headed for hell. We're sons and daughters on our way to heaven. Very easy to see when the disciples brought social change in verse 38. How do we know that? Sorry, uh, yeah, verse 38. Let's go back to 30. Let's go back to, to 30. Let's go back to 37. They found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. That small line should should could read like this. They found him and said, Hey Lord, the people are looking for you to do more healings. They come to so you can heal their issues. They come to tell you to. They come here to so you can settle matters of estate. They come here to so you can help them financially. They come to help you with all. They, they, Lord, aren't you here to help us with all these social means? We got. Can you imagine? Hundreds of people probably were waiting for Christ. Look, searching homes and houses and businesses and 
Search in the synagogues looking for this man because they got sick relatives and sick children and sick friends and people with problems and people with demons and all manner of it. And what did he say? How did Christ react to this social need for them? And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. This is why I have come. He didn't come here to change social change. He didn't come here to cure every single person of their disease. He didn't come here to get you a new financial future. He didn't come to, he didn't come to, to do any of these things. If you want to see social change, as a Christian, you need to bring about spiritual change. The gospel is not here to cure the problem of government. It came to cure the problem between that man and our God. You want to cure the presidency? You want to help our president? Pray for him. Pray that he can be reconciled to God. You want to see these things happen? You want to see racial equality become better? Make sure their equality with God is right. You want to see prejudices vanish? Bring Jesus Christ. That way that man is not prejudiced because of his sins from God. We're in the business. Our charge and ambassadorship is to save souls so that Christ is continued preaching through us. Through us, Christ continues to preach. Real quick, real quick, to understand what what, what we said in verse when he says, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So important. That we understand that this was also Christ telling telling the disciples and telling us he's here to do the will of God. He didn't come here to do social justices on his part. He didn't come to get involved in the government. Matter of fact, he says, you know, remember one of the tests against Christ was what? Christ, do we pay taxes? He said, what's on that coin? And they said it was Caesar's face. And what did he, how did he, how did he respond? Give God what's due. Give Caesar what's due. Wasn't interested in social change. Wasn't here for that. He was here for rectification. He was here to get flesh. He was here to get men. Back to God. Look at John 6, 38. And I'll try to close out with this. I went farther than I was supposed to. But you know, when we're in this word, we got to get it right. So important, right? We got to get it right. And we will, by the grace of God, we'll get it right. All right. So, John chapter 6, verse 38, reads, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Very simple. He didn't come in to do social change, which means, guess what? Guess what that also means? If it's pretty obvious, that also means that God is not interested in our social change either. He ain't interested in our financial situation. He ain't trying to get you a new job and a new car. He ain't interested in trying to... If you got a sickness and an illness and God has cured you for it, it is before the glory of himself and not for you, not for you at all. If he's given you a new house, it is for the glorification of himself, not just because he gave you a little extra you know, pat of jelly at the end of the table. God is not here to give us little extras on things. He came to give you himself. That comfortable house may be a house church in the future when the persecution starts. That car that you just got was to help others go to and fro based on you. You are that help for them. You may be ministering to them on that road. That new job that you got may be the difference between a church being able to meet their financial budget and needs to continue to operate, not just allow you to have ESPN on everything you have a tablet with. Got you a new wife? Got you a new husband? Male or male and female, the right kind of marriage? Again, glorification of God. Why? To see that love is true and marriage is the greatest gift God can give to a couple. 
Everything that you get is for your ambassadorship to serve God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his precious, precious sacrifice at the cross that's able to us to hear you today, Lord. Have fellowship with you, communion with you, Lord. And not run and hide our face. Lord, we know that your word has been given to us to reproof us and get us get us right with you. To correct us and rebuke us and, and, and get us on the same page with all those saints before who have long gone and passed. Some that their lives have been called. So thank you for the prophets and the apostles. Thank you for the messengers that you sent to us that allowed us to get to where we are today with your holy word. Thank you for granting us the, the, the privilege to be an ambassador to go out and share this all-so-important oh message that the kingdom of God is here and repentance and forgiveness is possible through Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for our trespasses. Forgive us for how we treat our leaders. Forgive us for how we treat our spouses. Forgive us how we treat you, Lord, for we come so short of doing what is right. But with, with, with your sanctification, Lord, that, that you keep giving us, as you keep sanctifying us, I'm sorry, Lord, as you keep sanctifying us and, and correcting us and getting our spirits to be in alignment with yours, we can act better and do better, but only by residing in Christ, staying in the vine. Lord, show us how to walk in your ways, establish what you see fit, teach us what is right. For you are worthy, Lord. You're worthy of all praise. Jesus' precious name. Amen. You have just listened to You in HD, your identity in Jesus Christ with Pastor Eric Miller. This ministry is made possible by your thoughtful prayers and donations. Join us each week as we continue to explore our Christian identity in Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.